Hey guys, I just had an amazing conversation with Firdos who is the vice chairman of Bharat Flooring and Tiles. We spoke about the you know challenges faced when his company was formed in 1922 in uh, occupied India. We spoke about how there is a map of Bharat uh, behind every tile, uh, the concept of pre-independence tile making and the challenges they face, the origin story. Uh, the experience of working you know with prop architects dealing with artisanal uh, you know uh, shortage innovation at VFT how his products have been used in the parliament and ashoka university and how digitization and all the latest technologies are being used at VFT and obviously we ended with uh, a piece of advice that he's given all uh, you know uh, founders anyone who wants to start their own business or join the legacy business so for people who don't have an r to listen to the whole thing do not forget to go on uh, my instagram and uh, even on youtube to watch some of the shorts and uh, the small trailer which contains all the action packed bits so do not miss this episode uh, go ahead and watch the entire episode it's an action filled episode with amazing insights from filters Thanks. I'll see you on the inside. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Connecting the Dots, a place where we talk to interesting people and get interesting insights which you will not find anywhere else. Today, I'm going to be talking to a dear friend of mine, a neighbor of mine, and somebody who I admire and somebody whose company all of us know and have admired for a very very long time. I'm going to be talking to none other than the vice chairman of Bharat Flooring and Tiles, Firdos. Hey Firdos, welcome to Connecting the Dots. Thank you, Ashwin. So glad to be here. So we've been talking about this for such a long time. So glad we're going to talk. Yeah, it's been so many even before this been going. It's crazy. Our schedules have been a little crazy. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Firdos, you are currently the vice chairman of uh, Bharat Flooring and Tiles, mm-hmm. which, if I'm not mistaken, started in 1922. Yeah, that's right. During the British era. Tell me a little bit about how how that came around, how that started. So I think uh, one has to look at it from historical perspective. So the British basically were like the big bosses of India. They did what the hell they wanted, and uh, one of the things that they had done in those days was that my ancestors had some sort of liquor business in Uran. They used to make um, liquor out of mogra flowers, and uh, people used to come for picnics. Uh, in those days, Uran was a picnic spot. People would come there. then they would imbibe some liquor and go back happily buzzed mm. so one day the british decided that you know what forget all this we're going to shut this business only licensed liquor allowed now okay so all these small guys were not a business uh, punksam was my mm. forefathers so uh, then what happened was that the after this particular tragedy happened there was a further tragedy was that the father mm. the my basically my grandfather's father my great grandfather mm. he suddenly expired and he left behind six children and basically the imagine businesses shut there's no income there's no it is thing and so the eldest brother of the whole family the eldest son he gave up his education and he kind of decided to bring up the rest of the brothers mm. as kind of like almost like his children mm. but this family was pretty extraordinary because you know they didn't succumb to adversity uh, one of them became an architect uh, one of them started monjinis uh, somebody else started a liquor liquor store chain so they basically overcame uh, adversity and they all used to live together mm. so at one of these uh, family gatherings there was a very interesting man who came 
called Jamshed Mehta. Hmm. Now Jamshed Mehta was a entrepreneur and hustler from uh, Karachi. Hmm. Okay, and he was a freedom fighter, a successful businessman. Hmm. He had several businesses. He was also strangely in the liquor business. I mean, I think us, and booze put together. So. But apart from that, he was like nine times mayor of Karachi. He's he's called the father of modern Karachi. Oh wow! I mean, he was a really accomplished guy, mm. and he came to this uh, dinner party mm. at my uh, grandfather's place house, and met my grandfather. And you know, they were chit chatting as you know. My grandfather is a young man. What are you doing in life? What do you want to do? My grandfather said, I want to become a lawyer. He said, oh, uh, if you become a lawyer, how many people will you really employ in your entire life? Like maybe like 50, 100. You know, what will you really do for the country? I mean, no offense to any lawyers out there, but you know. <laughs> uh, I have to also put a sidebar that my sister and my Brother-in-law and my father all legal. <laughs> legal so wow. I'm going to have a tough time at dinner. Yep, yep. Anyway, so uh, my grandfather said, I want to become a lawyer. This guy, uh, Jamshed Mehta said, no. If you do that, you'll not be helping the country because right now the country needs industry. We need to manufacture things in India. We need to be free of British imports. And so they hatched a plan to start manufacturing tiles. And uh, there was only one location available, which was the defunct liquor sheds in Uran. Mm. So they started the factory there. Mm. And uh, Jamshed Mehta basically mentored my grandfather, helped him to set up the factory. Wow. Came on board as a partner, uh, you know, taught him uh, so much about business basically that he transformed from this uh, lawyer to this businessman. Mm -hmm. And that's how they started Bharat Tiles. That is. Okay, that's a, such an interesting story. Like the ex-mayor of Karachi has a role to play in this, right? And uh, yeah. was one of the founding partners in this. Was one of the founding partners. And uh, I, I, when I was reading up on Bharat Tiles, I found that uh, behind every tile, there used to be a map of undivided India. Yes, correct. Is correct. it still there or was it, is it from the beginning or is it is that something that you all still do or is it now? No, that was there on the beginning. Okay. Uh, so there's been a lot of ups and downs. So over time, actually, things got simplified. Now we just write Bharat at the back. Okay. But back in those days, the whole ethos of the company mm. was that we want to drive out British imports. And we want to be an Indian company. We want to drive out British imports. We want to be uh, economically independent, contribute to the economic independence of India. So uh, in those days, they used to import tiles from Britain called the Minton tiles. Mm. And the whole goal was basically stop these British imports. Mm. And replace those with Indian yeah. And so That's why they named it Bharat also. No? Otherwise, uh, it's literally in the name. It's in the name. So, till I did my research, I did not know about how deeply patriotic the mission was. I mean, yeah. as you look at it, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a tile company. But the roots are such an interesting you know, story to it, which is fantastic. Correct, correct. So, uh, one thing which I've always seen is when people uh, you know, join their family business, mm -hmm. which is called a legacy business, right? Mm. Uh, there are always a lot of challenges. Yeah. Because legacy is also a good thing, but it also can be a big challenge because certain things are always done a certain way. Mm -hmm. And when you take over, you have your own way of doing things, which may be very different. Mm. Did you face any such challenges? Yeah, I did actually. So the thing is that, you know, Bharat Tiles from 1980s onwards was being run by uh, my uncle, 
and uh, unfortunately he was running it at a time when there were tremendous challenges basically the company had just come out of some debilitating strikes uh, you know the labor unions had gone on strike company was shutting uh, factory was shutting down um, ceramic tiles came into the picture people were not using uh, the products of bharat tiles there was a lack of innovation and so on so there was a long period of time when basically the company just sustained itself on warehousing income they had almost 4 acres of land mm. at kurla mm. and they used to put that on rent uh, and they used to get warehousing income and wow. then whatever losses the tile company made uh, it was offset by warehousing so it was a net net zero oh my so this this situation continued until i think 1990 okay. when the companies again started focusing on tiles and uh, that was also by a very serendipitous stroke of luck that there was something called the kala ghoda heritage exhibition mm. so at the exhibition there was a focus on heritage of kala ghoda now if you look at the context of bombay mm. south bombay especially there was actually a time when people didn't care about the heritage of south bombay mm. they used to tear down buildings left right and center so finally a bunch of conservationists came together they did a kala ghoda exhibition and as part of the exhibition they asked my mom who was at that time uh, part of the company to make some old tiles so they said can you make these old style of tiles which you guys used to make in the past mm. in 1922 wow so she dug up the processes she started to uh, look at how she could recreate those tiles and she presented them to the exhibition and then she started getting orders for them but till then these these fancy tiles the ones that look like my shirt yeah exactly they were not in existence they had been uh, not produced by the company since almost 1930s and wow it's it's interesting to always see how luck can play a role in yeah, right many people really. say it's only hard work and perseverance and i say you know what yes you require mm. skill you require hard work Yeah, but you can never, ever, ever deny luck. Yes, really. You can be prepared for it, right? So luck can come and go, but you are just not prepared. You didn't work hard. You didn't create the, you know, you didn't create the opportunities for yourself. But many a times you may be ready for it, but the luck doesn't come. You don't get it. But when yeah. luck comes, when you are ready, you are you are able to capitalize, right? So I'm so glad that that one little Kalagora festival actually revived the entire organization. it not only revived it but also then when i came on board mm. so there was this base already of these kind of tiles being produced nice so it wasn't like i created them from scratch i had to create them from scratch because they are actually pretty hard to create mm. so one of the challenges from for me was to take it to the next level of taking it beyond heritage architects mm. you know we did so many heritage jobs like we've done cathedral school we've done bmc building uh, high court uh, bhavdaji lal museum but my challenge was like okay these guys are anyways going to come to bharat tiles mm. who else can we tap and that's been the journey so for me that so when did you join the business so i actually strangely joined the business in the year in which i got married i got married told my wife i'm quitting my corporate job you know honey we're going to be we're going to be living off you for a while so she like that's what i signed up for yeah. she's like what <laughs> luckily we're new, newly married uh. so she never choice So they still love there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. But no, so so uh, okay. So let's go. Uh, let's backtrack a little bit. So you've been born and brought up in Mumbai. Yeah, and I have. And what did you do? Where did you study? Where did you? And what did you study? 
So again, uh, I was a, not a very good student. So I uh, studied at Bombay International initially right. and then almost failed. So the principal himself said, you know what, I think you should send this child to Rishi Valley. It's uh, a nice place. It's a nice place and it's a, it's a place which teaches you to think freely. It's not a very rigid school system. So I did my schooling at Rishi Valley, then okay. came back, then did uh, HR college. Uh, scraped through, then uh, did my MBA, worked in corporate. Uh, I thought, you know, corporate sounds pushy. Mm. Less effort, bagar milega, ghar chaloge. Then joined Bharat Tiles because my mom was saying, now let's either shut the business or we will revive it. You guys, Dude. you have to take a call. Ooh. That's a tough, that's a tough yeah. call for you to take, right? I do my cushy job and and the right. family business or do I just let it? So do you have a regret making the choice you made? No, no, not even for a second. Of, yeah. of course not. I mean, right. uh, I would, you know, never ever, I would give up a thousand corporate jobs now to, to do what I do. Love it. And uh, does your wife play any role in Paratiles? So my wife actually plays a role in the sense that she's a sort of mentor. She's doing, she's been doing projects with us. Oh, lovely. So she's a HR professional. Okay. And so I'm not a very huge people person. Like I'm not touchy feely like that. So she like helps me to kind of suss out what to do. Humanizes a little bit. Humanizes me. <laughs> like ask them about their families. <laughs> Should care a little bit. Yeah. Ask them a little bit. And uh, <laughs> so in the last, let's say, decade, how hmm. do uh, you see your company culture change? Mm -hmm. Have you seen any change in your company culture in the last decade or so? Yeah, so initially we started off on a very uh, family base. So everybody who was in the company at that time was basically viewed as a family member, mm. including one drunk sales manager. He used to come in the morning uh, reeking of his previous night's half bottle of alcohol. We used to pop one mint in his mouth and say, off you go and do some sales. Uh, and we had various uh, mm. characters who were part of the business mm. and they were all like family. Now, when I joined, <laughs> I had come from a corporate culture. So the first thing I wanted to do was try to set in place some corporate systems. So honestly, the last 10 years have been about instilling some sort of corporate culture. And I think we've had a lot of discussions about how to systematize the company, how to make it less people dependent and more systems driven. Um, and hiring the people who can do that, basically, is really the focus for me now. That can be a, a really big challenge, especially if you've not defined the company purpose, if you've mm -hmm. not defined the core values, if you've not defined how do you see yourself operating, what change do you want to bring in the world. Once you're able to articulate that, the kind of people that you attract should be in line with that. They should see the same vision of the world that you're mm -hmm. seeing. But many times the issue that I see is founders haven't taken the time to articulate it. They have it here. Yeah. Most of them have True. it here. They just mm. haven't put it on right on, they're not yeah. shared it with people. Mm. Right. So the minute you start doing that, you will start attracting the right set of people. And when you're when you're onboarding people, mm. look for grit, mm. look for people's ability to solve problems, uh, look for them making your mission or the company mission as their own. Mm. And that's very difficult to find. So what I've seen a lot of people do, and uh, your wife may resonate on this. They'll interview three people and they'll choose one. Right, right, right. 
ஒரு even the times if you have to let somebody go is very low because yeah. we've taken that effort up front yeah 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 if we yeah. had lowered that bar or if we just took like three people may say one hmm the attrition would be higher hmm. you would have let people go because they were not able to perform hmm. so i think that's one little thing and i think the second thing is make your company as process driven as possible hmm. people hmm. are critical but it can't be their individualistic mindset yes, that comes at every process yeah yeah that can't be so you can't scale see then you have that family yeah, and 10 really. 20 30 people a team yeah. now utra hi rahega wo kabhi scale nahi hone wala hmm. but if you want to create something at scale yeah and i think these two things if you're able to put into play you know you'll be able to generate scale correct uh, coming about you know coming to the brand you've created for yourself mm-hmm. now today bharat flooring tiles or bft as it's popularly known mm-hmm. in the circle is something that almost every architect would know about uh any time i see you on social media you always you know hanging out with the best architects the best clients yeah. you know the best places your tiles are being used yeah what did you do to get to that point so i mean the first and foremost thing that we started to do was that we started to actually proactively reach out to architects mm. and work start working with people who we aspired to so you know there was a lot of people who were doing interesting projects mm. and uh, they typically would not really uh consider bharat tiles mm. they would consider maybe marble as a luxury product mm. or they would consider vitrified tiles so we had to get over the hurdle of basically persuading them first that this is a luxury product this is a designer product and we did that in two ways one was that we revamped the branding mm. we made it look more contemporary we made it look cool a uh, huge impact from that alone like when the brochures started looking professional when the brochures started looking really good uh so just for perspective when i joined the company i used to get the dtp operator to make my brochures oh, right? I. <laughs> uh, okay. i have to be ashamed but <laughs> by <laughs> everyone starts somewhere right yeah <laughs> but by basically by dint of actually investing that money into the branding hmm. and finding a really really good branding agency who did the whole look feel that was a huge step so then when we went to people and we showed them the brochures they were like yeah this looks good this looks good uh the second thing was like we started to collaborate with designers so before that we had the catalog from the 1920s and 1930s mm. which had like some 30 designs all of them heritage looking but what we said was like let's not just stick to that mm. let's also go and create new designs with designers so we made a whole range of tiles called bft plus mm. and uh, this was like uh, about 10 years back mm. so you know this was when this whole collab thing started now you see it everywhere like uh, nike x michael jordan or whatever Correct. 
Yeezy's like Yeezy, his yeah. most famous collaboration, right? Correct. Uh, I mean, I think he looked at me and he was like, <laughs> <I hope>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways, you collaborate with a whole bunch of designers, made a whole bunch of designer range. Nice. And uh, that kind of like kickstarted the whole collaboration aspect. Love it. So even today we stay relevant by collaborating with designers. I, I love how you're bringing people like your end customer because I, mm -hmm. I think your end customer actually is the designer. How you're involving them in your process. Yeah. And if they feel like, you know, hey, I've created this style. Of course, I'm going to recommend, of course, I'm going to use it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how the economics behind that work. Like you pay the designer, they pay you, whatever it is, right? But I, I loved how you're able to do that and do that at scale. Mm -hmm. Because today, uh, if the top five or top ten uh, designers in the country mm. are working with you and they're creating a product with you, they're lending their name to you. A lot of people who are below them who are aspirational also will end up using that. They yeah. will also be reaching yeah. out and somebody's too small, you may you'll end up saying no, which is also good. Correct. Mm. Right? Uh, but I, I loved how you did that and I love how you got the whole artisanal piece in this. Right. So if I'm right. not mistaken, all your tiles or most of your tiles are dependent on an artisan's skill. Yes. Right. Correct. Correct. So my, yeah. so I think that's a very unique thing. That means mm. if mm. I create a batch today and a batch maybe a year later, it yeah, be slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than that being a bug, you turn mm. it into a feature. Like yes. People are looking for that. Like yeah. Handmade yeah. Handmade. Correct. Correct. Uh, but this brings me to my next question: like How do you address the now going forward? There are fewer and fewer artisanals or skilled artisanals available. Yes. How are you True. handling that? So, in a couple of ways, one is that we are looking at, again, if you look in a process-driven organization, there's, even in the manufacturing process, right now, you know, one artisan may be doing, say, three steps. But if you break it down into three steps uh, and have three people doing each of the steps, so what happens is that, A, you can get three semi-qualified guys mm. who, when combined together, are one qualified guy. Nice. Nice. So, we are actually considering that as one option. Mm. Uh, the second option is obviously automation. But in the automation, see, we are like a small batch of whiskey. Mm. Okay, so we don't want to lose that. Mm. Like the reason why somebody comes to us is because they can come to us and they can be like, I want this particular design and I want it in this color and I want it to be laid out like this and I want only 50 pieces of this and I want 100 pieces of that and then they combine it together and make something beautiful. Now, that is something I cannot lose. If I lose that, my business collapses. Because then you're like anyone. Like, I'm like anybody else. I mean, if I'm making it in bulk and I'm making them like 50,000 tiles. 50,000 tiles, then then there's no point. People will just be like, I'll just buy ceramic tiles. And then buy 60 rupees. So, what we're trying to do is simplify the process itself mm. to, so that we're not so dependent on highly trained uh, artisans. We can get by with, say, semi trained artisans who can do each of the steps. Nice. And I think that's a good way of breaking down uh, this. So here I'm seeing how you've gone from a very people-centric to a process-driven. Yeah. While there are people and the skills are still involved, you kind of decentralized the whole thing. Correct. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to my next question of uh, when you are reaching more people, reaching mm. audience. Mm. Today, if I'm not mistaken, you would your process would be going through architects. Yes, correct. Your most of your customers are architects. Have yeah. you explored the concept of D2C where you're going direct to customers? And then the customer is recommending or because yeah, there's a lot, yeah. lot of things are also done without an architect. Yes. I just want to do a small little like wall, adjust my bathroom. I may not even yeah. have an architect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Have you explored the whole D2C angle? So we have, in fact, that's one of the wonderfully democratizing things about social media. 
is that when you are on social media, you have like, for instance, now we have about 85,000 followers. Wow. On our nice. Instagram page. Nice. So sure. those 85,000 followers are not all just, you know, yeah. architects. Yeah. There are a lot of them are just customers who like the way that we look and feel. Nice. So that's been one huge democratizing thing. Uh, the rest of the story, I don't know. I, in fact, want to find how to reach customers directly rather than going through architects. No offense to architects. We still love you. We will always love you. <laughs> no, so uh, here's the thing. You will always have a primary uh, way of doing business. Hmm. But there's all, it's always good to have a second and third way of Business hmm. well, right? So in in our world, in the testing world, yeah, we work with. Uh, when it comes to food companies, there is no middle person. We work directly with food companies, hmm. so that we are let's say B two C and they are RC. Yeah. But when it comes to corporates, we actually work through partners. Hmm. But uh, hmm. now because Equinox as a brand has become big enough, a lot of the big companies who don't have a intermediary reaching out to us directly, even the smaller companies, yeah. Are reaching out to us directly, right? But okay. again, social media helps tremendously there. Yeah, advertising yeah. on social media, mm. helps, right? So the one thing that we do is we run uh, while we run Google Ads. Mm. Anyone can run. We also run something called as a branding ad. Now, what is mm. a branding ad? It's designed for you not to click on it. Right. Okay. If you visit any of our websites, just even once, okay, you will keep seeing our ad for the rest of your life. However, huh. we will ensure you don't click on it. Now, okay. why is that? That just that just feels so that wastes money. Because it wastes money. Yeah. Two, mm -hmm. the reason is whenever you're ready. Interesting concept. Something else, you'll uh, see a downloadable thing. You'll see a, there are ads which are designed for yeah. you to click and download. Yeah. But there are ads which are specifically designed for you not to click on. Hmm. They're just telling, they're just giving you information. There's yeah. no download now. There is no contact us. There is no get quote. Hmm. The reason we do that is cheaper. Hmm. Hmm. We are there everywhere. Like if you visited any of our websites, yeah, we will follow you for the next five years on Instagram. Or yeah. da, 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 da. You'll yeah. just see an ad coming up. Why is whenever you're ready to buy? Right, right, right. They are the only person you think. Hmm. Right? Hmm. Many people ask me like, hey, like as a guy who does, who heads a laboratory, many of hmm. businesses, but I mean me, my, most of my time goes in lab. Why are you doing a podcast? Right. It just doesn't make sense. It even made sense when I was interviewing food founders. Hmm. But when I was doing unboxing success or yeah. doing this, connecting the dots, many people ask me like, how, how is that helping? Mm -hmm. I'm like, it, it's pure fodder for the social media canon. Mm. Because now this will yeah. now become five little posts yeah. on Instagram, True. on LinkedIn. Anytime I go to any meeting, people nowadays obviously will look up somebody who's coming to meet them on yeah. uh, you know, LinkedIn. If I'm going to any conference, mm -hmm. most people would have seen this. And in this, I will never talk about my company and what we do as services. Right, like none right. of my social media posts are about, oh, we do this testing, you know, bias yeah. from us. That's not what it's about. We're discussing leadership, we're discussing culture, we're discussing, you know, pre-independence, style making. You know, so we're mm. discussing so many different concepts mm -hmm. that yeah. even, uh, so it's not boring for the person. For like the person. Many people are connected with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, would be customers, potential customers. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody wants to work with us also, but mainly they're customers and potential customers. When they see a different context and they keep seeing coming up again and again and again, yeah, yeah. We stay relevant. Even on our company page, we will mm. be putting up content which is not related to our services. Right. Just so that we are there in their feed. So that that helps the whole D2C piece. Mm. But last but not the least is you really start spending a lot more money on Instagram ads. Uh, because see, I think today even Instagram, I think has the largest non-search uh, reach. Non-search reach means if I'm looking for right. 
something on Google. Google huh. ad obviously nothing beats Google ad. Yeah, so nothing right now. Correct, correct, correct. So that's intent yeah. based, right? Mm. Second thing is, oh, I am renovating my home. I may be looking at something. I may not be. I am thinking of renovating my home. Mm-hmm. What am I searching for on uh, Instagram? What am I searching for on Pinterest? By the way, Pinterest is a completely yes. Pinterest is huge. It's oh my huge, gosh, but yeah. it's such. Un, it's, a, it's the underdog of all yeah. of this and in your yeah. space hmm. I think Pinterest has yeah. huge, huge opportunity huge opportunity correct, correct. I have not seen yeah. a single ad on hmm. Pinterest in your space yeah. yeah that would be an untapped potential yeah. for you to kind of explore I, I, I don't know the economics of it uh, Instagram is the most obvious one hmm. but I think Pinterest would be the the next piece right uh, how do you handle innovation at BFT so at BFT innovation has always been something which has formed the, like I told you, the backbone of the organization ever since I started collaborating with the people. Mm. Now, innovation takes a few different forms. One has become run-of-the-mill innovation. Okay, not run-of-the-mill. Let me put it another way. But has become a process-driven innovation where we do ranges of tiles with designers. That process is continuing. Nice. We keep coming out with a few ranges of tiles every six months or so. And uh, we keep collaborating. Like this year alone, I think we've come out with Two ranges already. Wow. And now there'll be a third range of tiles, which is based on parametric architecture. Brilliant. So this range of tiles thing is going on. But the problem is that materials change. So there's now a technical part which is coming in, like how do we make with new materials? Mm. There are a lot of space age materials, a lot of new materials, mm. for instance, epoxy mm. and uh, you know, cement itself has changed a lot. Mm. There's high strength cement. So there's a lot of technical work that goes on, which is like going on at the factory. And that is actually where I now spend a lot of time is actually technically working out like what works, uh, how do we improve the strength of cement, how do we make it, uh, you know, less prone to cracking, uh, more beautiful, all that kind of stuff. So all this R&D is happening in-house? Yeah, this R&D happens in-house. We have obviously consultants, but we do have to keep a lot of the stuff in-house because it's proprietary to us. Correct. And... And the last area of innovation has been in lifestyle. So we recognize also that we are in one part of the value chain. Like if you're doing your house, so you're basically starting off by coming for the flooring. Now, the flooring is pretty much the first thing you ever do. So between the time that you've done your flooring and the time that you've actually finished your house, there's so many other things you bought. Like there's, uh, you know, furniture, there's wallpapers, there's bathroom tiles, there's so many hundreds of things. So we're trying to get into more spaces in the house, which we can pitch to the client. Nice. Yeah. Uh, One, uh, I I don't know if it's uh, innovation on product or innovation on marketing side. You've collaborated with Kitster to create. Yes, correct, correct. To create, you know, kit. And I I thought that was such a cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Never in my imagination, I would have thought that a tile company will... Collaborate with a DIY kit company yeah, to create an experience. Yeah, and yeah. when I saw that, I was blown away. Yeah. Right? Uh, can you tell me the story behind how that how that played out? Like, did you reach out to her? Did she reach out to you? How, how did that, that happen? So, actually, one of the things that we've done as part of our branding for the last, hmm. I think, almost eight or nine years has been to have workshops with architects and designers. So we used to keep having these workshops, we'd call them all together, there'd be like 30, 40 people and they used to be packed. Huh? Like there used to be like, people used to be like calling me up and I'm like, ek, ek space bhai, book kar lena mere le. Love it. And we used to charge people also for them. And really? people used to still pay. This so for a tile making workshop? Yeah, tile making workshop. We used to, we used to have molds. Yeah. Everyone. 
every like people used to people artists architects everybody janta used to come so uh, and it used to be great fun right. so we used to make the tiles by giving them molds uh. and then uh, we used to basically give them the cement we used to give them the process like uh. this is how it's done uh. and they used to be like maha thrill like the whole day used to go and then people used to not leave only there one more tile one more <laughs> tile one so when nidhi came to me uh. and she was like i run this thing called kitster i was like okay thank god because we were thinking of doing this ourselves and democratizing the tile making process for everybody hmm. so if you are willing to do it and put it on your platform let's do it hmm. so that's pretty much how it's born love it uh, i again as i said i would not imagine a tile making company coming up with a diy kit right so firdos tell me about the role of design and aesthetics in your business mm-hmm. so it's been really important from the point of view of basically not just following trends but also trying to create the trends and one of the issues we saw is that people actually don't follow any trends okay uh what i think is beautiful and arty and relevant mm. is sometimes completely disregarded by the market so we actually try to span as many categories as possible uh we try to do something minimalistic we try to do something very uh you know sort of complicated we try to do something very jhatku uh then like the entire gamut like mm. for instance this is a shirt that we collaborated with for bombay shirt company mm. so this is the most jazzy of them the most uh, loud <laughs> the of them most loud one. the most loud are these all your tile designs right? yeah these are all our tile all your designs you guys so saw some of those in the the book you gave me i saw some of them once yeah, like, yeah. like is this yeah. custom made for you or is it as about us no this is a collab with the bombay shirt company so we did a collab <laughs> god's green earth does a tile company <laughs> manage to do a collab with a shirt company like this is just completely out there i think the only thing left is now equinox and bfi to do something together yes the test of your tile <laughs> something that way right like that is just i i love the the collaborative mindset you have it's yeah. actually inspirational there are only two people till now who be able to do it your number 3 one of them is nidhi so i call her the queen of collab yeah she's right? queen of collab <laughs> you added you added this test is also fantastic So Bombay shirt collab we actually took a range mm. so we took like this is the most jhatku uh, mm. and then we had like subtle this thing this thing this thing like so we made like one gray one white one this one mm. and by the uh, there was a grand success the shirts were sold out in one month uh, and all my friends were like can we get a shirt can we get a shirt I was like bro <laughs> it's sold out i'm sorry i don't make them so i don't make them bombay shirt company makes them and it was completely sold out that is brilliant so that's how we try to span our design as well is Not that we have the heritage uh, range which is like the sort of bedrock hmm. everybody likes that that's now time tested for 101 years then we have like some subtler designer ranges then we have like something more complicated then we have something really really out there and then finally we have terrazzo which kind of like can be used every time used every like a university loved product so we try to span all of these things excellent yeah no so it's such a great insight into uh, human nature human behavior psychology that there is never a one size fits all everyone has different tastes hmm. and hmm. the fact that you figured that out and you know uh, catered to that is interesting because if you are just said you know i'm only going to terrazzo that's the most common one yeah. you're lost out on such a large audience correct, correct right and yeah. you may not have been the brand that you're today you may have been maybe more massy but but again it would have been massy it wouldn't have been the classy yeah, classy uh, that you are uh, 
how is digitization digital marketing and you know all the newer age ai machine learning what do you want to call mm-hmm. them how is that playing a role at bharatech so one of the most amazing things is that now we have uh, after this just this 10 or 15 years of mm. collaborating and mm. working with people mm. we have 430 patterns and guess how many patterns we started off with in 1930s 1922 10 yeah 10 10 you're right 10 must be in 10 uh-huh. if i look at my old catalog there were about 10 or 15 uh-huh. and now we've come to 430 so it's been immensely difficult to a keep those in stock mm. because you know you cannot show everything yeah even on a website you can't show everything so we have been trying to figure out how to digitize the whole thing digitize the process where you want a particular look feel pattern and you can create it yourself on the computer and get as realistic a look and put it in the space that you want oh wow basically ar augmented reality yeah, yeah augmented reality my camera the thing and be like yeah. hi let's see how it looks and then this style oh, not no. but not no not just this style uh-huh. this style in the colors that i want now that's the second level so you say like i like this particular tile uh-huh. and i like it in pink and i like it in red and i like it in yellow and then you click that and then now you're now show me how it looks on the floor so that level of customization really? on a digital scale is the next goal so i think with augmented reality come becoming almost ubiquitous on in an amazon mm-hmm. yesterday i was buying a table tennis racket yeah for my son hmm how's him doing and it said see it in virtual reality i was wondering like or augmented reality i'm like why would i want to see it in augmented reality and i did it and it showed yeah. me a little racket right there <laughs> i'm like and i'm moving the thing and you can see the racket this and said it's table tennis it's racket it's table tennis racket yeah i can understand something bigger like yeah. okay, car makes sense you know something yeah. bigger op and o camera or something bigger makes sense a table tennis racket in you know ar was hilarious but it was so exciting for my son you know oh yeah. my god look at it oh, oh, look at the racket it's yeah. too big for my hand and, Was mm-hmm. it proportionate? Because it looked like this big in front of his hand, but you know, it was a very interesting use of mm-hmm. AR, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon is really this thing, and I think it's becoming more easier to do. Yeah, and, definitely. And uh, from what I've been reading, with your simple iPhone, because now all your iPhones mm-hmm. have uh, uh, lidar. In yeah, it, yeah. You can actually there are apps that can make a 3D version of whatever is in front of you. Yes, in seconds, and then kind of pop yes. up where you want. Correct, right? correct, so correct. Yeah, that's been an interesting uh, side as well. In fact, that's going to kill the. I mean that's going to kill a whole segment of professions because now there are people like you know there's a whole bunch of people who go around measuring people's houses you know they'll come with their measuring tapes and they'll do all that now there's a whole bunch of apps which you can just literally take your phone move it and just move it around this room it'll map out the whole room for you and it'll put it into sketchup and then from sketchup your interior designer can put in whatever they want and yeah. boom you're done yeah. and there's this like, and, and the accuracy of that maybe 10 years ago was ridiculous yeah the bad but now it is ridiculously good it it's yeah, it's down to good. the mm yes maybe not like 100% but it's like yeah. 99.9 correct which is amazing. which is good enough which actually good enough like exactly because you always order wastage and little bit of extra here and there right. so it's not actually so uh, tell me a story during a client interaction installation anything that is memorable so basically the one that really sticks out in my head is the parliament of india so we just recently did the parliament of india oh wow and uh, so the tiles were specified by you know kana patel of hcp architects in uh, gujarat hmm. and what happened was that 
we started getting all these mails from the so tata you know uh, are the main contractors or mm. the people who are overseeing the entire project or were overseeing the whole time. Mm. started getting mails from them saying that you guys have sub supplied substandard tiles you guys have supplied substandard tiles to the parliament and i was like i can imagine i mean like <laughs> blood pressure shot up to here so basically flew down to delhi mm. and met up with them and what we found out was that actually in the government tendering process this is the beauty of government tendering process right is that they awarded to the lowest possible bidder so the guy who actually was contracted to uh, do the tiles the tiling work had bid some ridiculous price he was like just to win it he quoted something stupid like 60 rupees or something whereas a normal cost would have been 150 rupees he quoted like almost half price so what he was trying to do is what he was trying to save his money and do a shoddy job Oh. yeah like a quick job and finish it off so when we reached there the the first task was salvaging the situation which was to, to actually show that these tiles are okay so we did like some patches for them fixed that then persuaded that guy that look this is a matter of izzat now you know you can't teri bhi izzat jayegi meri bhi izzat jayegi and you already bought the tiles like there was you know huge number of tiles mm. they had bought sure. already so there is a jaygi you will when uh, i'm not accepting mm. the so he finally agreed to give us the contract to install the tiles oh and we did that so now it's come out beautifully and we've got a lot of praise for it but that was a really hair raising moment for us <laughs> when government of india says hey guys your tiles are bad and but no, you know so, the where are these tiles in the parliament so they are all in the mp's cafeterias Wow. Okay. So the funny thing is, I may be going there in the next two weeks. Oh, you see, we're, 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 yeah, yeah. we're doing some work there, and That's amazing. we're going. I look, I look forward to those. Hmm. So, which is one of your most prestigious project? Is it the parliament, or was it something else that a project that you had personally a lot of fun in, and you'd be proud of, you know, saying that hey, we've done this. Parliament obviously would be on top of the list, I assume. Yeah. So which is the one that is really up there? So I mean, it would be a toss-up between Parliament or Ashoka University because Ashoka University I did with a really close friend of mine called Suparna, who's an architect. Hmm. So she uh, specified us there in the entire library and lot of spaces. So it was fun yeah. working with her. Like it's always fun working with friends. Uh, like you, for instance, the first Pali Village Cafe that we did, or the Pali Bhavan hmm. that we did. Hmm. Those are also fun projects. I mean, you know, we worked with the designers. They're creating this crazy story. So designers create stories. If you get into the whole story of what they're doing with that restaurant or that space, suddenly the tile transforms from this material into a part of the story, which is really beautiful. Amazing. Okay, and my last uh, question to you: There are a lot of people who are uh, looking to start new businesses. Mm -hmm. People who are uh, joining legacy businesses. Mm. What advice? If you have to give one piece of advice, that's common across both, because you've also yeah. worked in a corporate, you've also worked in a family business. Hmm. What is the one piece of advice you'd give somebody who wants to either join their family business or uh, join a legacy business or start something on? Well, I would say that the biggest piece of advice I would give is about processes. Both of them require you to think in terms of not working in the business but working on the business. which i think you you have really mastered you know, you work on so many businesses you don't work in any of the businesses uh, no but it is so much easier uh, said than done 
yeah. it, it takes a tremendous mm. amount of uh, time and effort mm. and energy to be able to pull that off. And I think yeah. it takes a lot of trust in people mm-hmm. because one is you build a process, but then mm. you're finally giving the process to somebody to run. Right? Yeah. Uh, if I've if in the past when I've built up a process and given it to let's say ten juniors, you guys are supposed to run this, and if I've not checked back in six mm. months, one month later. Correct. It's not. So the the secret sauce over there yeah. is having at least one senior resource yeah. who you yeah. personally train, you personally groom, somebody who you have blind faith in, mm-hmm. and then letting them, you know, do that. Do so that. I yeah. uh, to all the people who work directly with me, I keep telling them, you guys are me over there. If mm-hmm. there were ten of me, I would. I, I mean, joke, I wouldn't need you. I would be there. But yeah. since I can't be there, you are me. Means I need you to behave like me. Good, bad, ugly, whatever I am, hmm. that's what you need mm-hmm. to be there. You need to be my reflection there. Obviously, you will have your unique style of doing it, but yeah. the same core values, mm-hmm. the same uh, principles that I follow. And over time, what has happened is a lot of the leaders have taught me something new. So mm-hmm. that actually mm-hmm. becomes a part of my entire yeah. persona. Persona. Yes. Right. It's Correct. not just me now. It's our entire leadership that has evolved mm-hmm. over the last, let's say, especially over the last ten years. So you know, yeah. as a group, eighteen years old, over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. If you talk to any of our leaders, you will see a lot of similar traits. Like even if this right. person has it, oh, this person also has it, and suddenly, oh, that person also has it. Because we've started realizing that everyone doesn't agree. Mm-hmm. That's just basic. That everyone at Equinox, even our leadership needs to know. Yeah, so something that you have, you can learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Mm-hmm. There is literally even an intern who's ten days into the company who I will learn something from. Right, right, right. Versus I've met literally like I've spent time with Joe Biden. In a room, like this is back in the day, like when you had come yeah. to India, hmm. there were like twenty, thirty hmm. of us in a room. So I spent time with him also. I've learned something from him. Yeah, and I've learned something from an intern who's in Equinox for three days. Correct. correct. Everyone in between. The growth mentality is super important. It is really critical. Yeah, to know that you don't know everything and that you can learn anything from anybody. Right. Very there true. is a uh, there's a liftman in our building, huh. Vishal, like huh. small guy who's been there since the pandemic, and for the longest time I don't even see his face because he always wear a mask. Mask. Mm-hmm. So polite, so humble. He knows everybody's flaws. Like right. His memory right, is right. that sharp. Like he'll see me enter and he will like he'll go and run and put it. He'll yeah. put it in and he'll be like, sir, this. And I'm mm. like, once I didn't tell you which floor. Like he knows. Like that kind of personalization, that kind of memory. Like I don't. I'll be honest. I don't have that kind of. If mm-hmm. I was doing that job, I would not have. I would have maybe smiled and all that. Mm-hmm. I would not. <laughs> have, I would not be able to. Even that bus that got maybe ten minutes before, I still ask him which floor, right? So, Vidas, thank you so much for taking your time and coming on uh, Connect. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved how we went through the history of the organization. I loved mm-hmm. how we touched upon innovation and all the cool things that you guys are doing. And I'm completely awe inspired by your collaborative mindset that you have and the brand that you created. Thank you so much for sharing so many insights. You know, uh, mm-hmm. with me. And I'm hoping that the people who are listening to this podcast or watching this learn so much from that. Thank you so much for coming. Wonderful, man. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you.